Buckle up, listeners. I love that, Carl. That's really clever. Is that because there was um, a seatbelt sign noise? Yeah. Well, welcome to... Well, that fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And a seatbelt sound. Uh, every week we'll be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing experiences and events that have happened to them. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Yeah, so really focusing on the good stuff that has come out of some pretty extraordinary things that have happened to people. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we actually have our first sponsor too, which is jolly exciting. And we're now sponsoring... I feel yeah. like now's a great time to use the seatbelt <laughs> sign. And the original Handlebar Jack, which you can find at www.handlebarjack.com. Do you know what that is, Kyle? I don't. Right. So you know when you need to mend your bike, your bicycle, and you turn it upside down because your chain's fallen off, or maybe there you've got a flat tire? Yeah, I was thinking, man, it always messes up with my gears. Yeah, it messes up with your gears. So now there's a little stand, which is perfectly portable and comes in a really nice package. And these two little clips, and they clip onto your handlebars. They're completely universal. And then it turns into a little stand. So when you turn your bike upside down, it literally allows your bike to balance. It's like one of the most cleverest things. And I just want to add that we're not a bicycle podcast. However, we are all about surviving traumatic and life-changing experiences. Have you ever had a flat tire on like a grimy, dusty road? Yeah, it's the worst. The worst. So now our tenuous sponsorship link is complete. If you do go online at www.handlebarjack.com and you type in the code WTFMU, which is actually the acronym for our podcast, which we had to write down because it really confused <laughs> the fuck out of us, <laughs> then some of the proceeds will be going to foodonfoot.org. That's foodonfoot.org. And those guys are helping out the unhoused and the low-income neighbors in your neighborhood. So our friends at Handlebar Jack will actually donate um, some of the proceeds to that amazing organization. So, I mean, it's a win-win, people. Incredible. Welcome to another episode of Well, That Fucked Me Up with your hosts, Luke and Kyle. Um, thank you for joining us. And I'm excited today to be talking to Connie. And she's going to tell us a little bit about her background what brought her to a grinding halt, a point of no return, and the story of her recovery. Um, Connie, it's really great to have you here. And um, let us dive in. I'm excited to get going. Perfect. Well, in honor of the title, well, that really fucked me up. Uh, I will tell you, we'll start there. <laughs> So, uh, you know, with uh, I, I had about 25 years of um, drug and alcohol abuse. I was on more than a run for quite some time. Um, what my last year of using looked like was um, I got a DUI, leaving work in full uniform. I blew a .24, leaving work. So this is just how I worked. A couple days after that, I totaled my car and, um, you know, it was raining outside and I was convinced that it was because it was raining outside that I totaled my car. It had nothing to do with the fact that I'd been drinking all day. And then like literally a couple days after that, I lit myself on fire and yeah, <laughs> 
I'm a, I'm a fire dancer and it was a day that I was off work. So I decided I was going to clean my house all day because that's what you do when you have a day off work, which for me meant what meant getting some drugs and tearing everything apart in my house, right? And then getting gacked, not being able to put anything back. <laughs> and after a day of that, uh, I decided it was probably a good idea to do some fire dancing. So I went, went in my backyard and practiced with some fire and ended up catching myself on fire. And my roommate at the time heard me screaming bloody murder from down the street and he comes running over to the house and I've got my arm under the water. The water's pouring and I'm finishing the blow. Wow. I feel like that summarizes your mindset quite well, that you just majorly set yourself on fire and burn yourself. And your main concern is the Coke. That's brilliant. So that left me in the burn unit ICU for nine days. So if you've ever just had a little burn, you can imagine what burn unit ICU nine days looks like. Okay, so it sounds like at some point something has to give, right? Your your life isn't really going how you, how you would want it to go. Um, and I think we can, you know, get into the, the crux of of the turnaround now. I mean it's it's insane what, what you were what you were doing to yourself, I guess. I mean, this is just a week, <laughs> a typical <Wow>. week. <laughs> That's crazy. Not thinking anything, not thinking I had a problem, right? Like, yeah. why are all these things happening to me? That was my mindset. Mm. So even when I'm in the hospital for nine days, I have somebody sneak me in vodka because you don't know the kind of pain I'm in. What mm. they're giving me is not enough. So all of these things happen and... um I ended up going home for Christmas that year to see my family and I'm just a train wreck. You know, at this point I'm on painkillers because of my arm and I'm still drinking like a fish. Mm. And um, I had this instance where it was my day to watch my, my niece and I wake up next to a bottle of scotch because that was my husband for about 20 years. Mm. And I take a couple pulls and I crawl down the stairs and I hear my brother and my sister-in-law talking about who's going to watch my niece this day. Mm. And my sister-in-law says, it's, it's Connie's day to watch her. It's your sister's day. And my brother says, I don't know who the fuck that is in there, but that is not my sister and she is not watching my daughter. Oh, wow. And in the moment, I'm like, sweet, I don't have to babysit. Hmm. And I crawl back up the stairs and fall back asleep. So this is where it all, this is where the journey <laughs> begins. I come home from that trip. I'm now on a court card and I don't know anything about, um, recovery or a 12-step program. I don't know anything about this stuff, but I'm on a court card and I, I don't have a job. I don't have a car. I don't have anybody, you know, like everybody's kind of exited out of my life. And I find a meeting that's down the street from my house that I can walk to. And at this point, I'm barely putting a sentence together. I'm barely walking. I'm just a, a wreck of a, of a person. So I walk in and, and it was packed. It was a packed house, happy, joyous, and free packed. Mm. And this is one of the first moments God shot that's changed my life is as I walk in and I see happy, joyous, and free and packed, mm. my first reaction is fuck no. <laughs> like hell no. I don't want anything to do with that. Like mm. that grossed me out, you know? So I get ready to turn around and walk out. And as I'm walking out, this 
six foot seven tall dude comes walking in and we pass each other in the walkway and he swoops me around and he's like, Connie, where are you going? And I look up and it's this dude I used to rage with, like hardcore rage with. And I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm speaking. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean you're speaking? He's like, I'm speaking here. Why don't you stay and listen? So I'm like, oh, this is going to be hilarious, right? Like, what's this guy going to say? This is going to be hilarious. Oh my God. So I stand in the back of the room and I listen to him mm. and he's lit up. He's bright. He's happy. He's making people laugh. He's free. He's comfortable. Mm. He's comfortable in his skin. That was one of the first things I noticed. I have no idea what he shared about. I noticed the light. I noticed the comfortability. Um, I noticed the freedom. Yeah. And it was that that I was like, wow, you know, like, what is that? And I want, and I tell you that because if it was not that guy, that moment, that second, that everything about that individual mm. moment, I don't think I would be here today because Amazing. I was on my way out to go back to the liquor store and, and figure it out a different way because yeah. that looked gross to me. Wow. So that's how my journey started, um, in, in recovery, um, I've, I had two years in and out where I, I, I wanted to do it my way. You know, mm. I knew drinking, I knew I couldn't drink anymore. I was licked, right? Like drinking has proved itself against me, but sober wasn't going to be it for me because you don't know, you don't know the kind of life I've lived. You don't have my experience. If you did, you would too, you know? So I spent two years on the, um, doing the research, as they say, maybe I can do a little bit of this, maybe a little bit of that, maybe this, maybe that. And, um, I, what that looked like at the end of those two years was I was just going to take a half an Adderall, right? I had worked my way from ayahuasca to a half an Adderall, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and just, just going to take this half an Adderall. It's a prescription drug. It's okay. It's not prescribed to me, but mm. it's a prescription drug. So <laughs> it's still sober in my eyes. Yeah. So I take the half an Adderall. I'm the designated driver for some friends and, um, I wake up the next morning out of a blackout face down in my bed and I jump up and, you know, my first reaction is where's my car? Many times I've had that, you know, running to the window and looking and my car is there and just having to sit there for a while. And I ended up calling one of my girlfriends and I was like, yo, who drove last night? And she's like, what do you mean you drove? Because that's the kind of drinker and drugger I was, right? Oh like you wouldn't God. even know. It looks like I'm bringing back some memories for you. It's rough. <laughs> You're cringing. <laughs> that's heavy. Yeah. So, um, and I had to have that experience happen to realize nothing can come in. Mm. Once anything comes in this body, something happens in the mind where it's like, no fucks giving, you know, given all bets off chaos, destruction, mm. insanity. Yeah. Um, let's talk about um, the next, the next stage, which is all about meditation. Um, that's, that's the next part of your story. And just hearing and catching up with you about where you are now, I think, I mean, our listeners are going to be very intrigued. And where did you start with that? I would sit down, breathe in, breathe out. And then my mind would take off. You know, my mind would run away with thoughts. Like, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? And what I realized in that moment was what meditation had been for me years prior was sitting down and just thinking about myself, 
Where do I have to go? Who do I have to call? What's for lunch? Who I, you know, meditation, check. So just checking these boxes, but not actually feeling into what is actually happening. So in the breathe in, the breathe out, I started to get quiet and I started to listen. And that's where I found my higher power. I had no idea. I was always a God girl. I was on spiritual journeys. I was always looking for God and ayahuasca and acid and mushrooms, you know. And it was it wasn't until I started to listen mm. that I was able to get a connection mm. to my higher power. Yeah. And I, I say this often is what kind of a relationship is it if somebody's always talking and never listening? So even in my meditation, it was my mind going, blah, 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 mm. never listening. And once I started to listen, it gave my higher power a chance to connect. That makes sense. Yeah. So this is where everything changes. This is where the whole my whole life changes. So um I go to Jamaica with my brother. He was um, volunteering at a summer camp there, a kid's summer camp. And I go with him. And um, one afternoon, I'm sitting in the playground. Uh, all the kids are eating. And I go on the playground, and I'm just doing a little meditation. I started to get really heavily into meditation once I started listening because I could feel this connection to my higher power. Mm -hmm. I could feel this freedom. I could feel this peace. So I started to really, really dive into it. Um, so I'm sitting in the playground and I'm meditating and this little seven-year-old girl, her name is Paris Francis, this little Jamaican mm -hmm. kid, comes running up to me and she goes, what are you doing, meditating? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I wanna do it too. And I was like, okay. And she sits down and she puts her little hands up and she closes her eyes and then she opens one and looks at me and she goes, well, tell me what to do. And I was like, okay. So I just did this little like five minute of guidance with her. I watched in that five minutes. This is the most rambunctious kid of the whole <laughs> camp, right? Like she's wild. I watched her in those five minutes. I watched her find this peace. Wow and this connection and this stillness. And I watched her open her eyes after and be like, whoa. Wow. And I, I'm getting chills talking about it because it was, it's one of those, like, if it wasn't that day, that kid, that moment, that everything, mm. that's the moment that I realized what I wanted to do with the rest of my life is I want to teach meditation to children. Wow. And, and having no idea what, what that was going to mean, what that was going to look like, you know, um, at this point I'm like six months sober. Mm. So a year prior, I was almost going to die. Like I was losing teeth. I wasn't processing food. <laughs> oh Doctors were telling me like, you, you're, you're going to die if you stay. And I was just like, eh, mm. you know, like, meh. <laughs> yeah. So now six months later, I'm, I'm like, okay, I want to teach children meditation. Like, what is this? You know? So what happened from there was, um, you know, I came back to California where I live and it happened to be a time in the world where there was mass gun shooting after gun shooting after gun shooting in schools. And um, it was right after the Stoneman Douglas case, yeah. which actually happened yesterday, three years ago. Um, and so, and our man of power at the time had suggested that arming our teachers was going to be the proposed solution I to remember. all of this gun violence. Yeah. Let's arm our teachers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and yeah, and and the shooter at that at that particular school happened to be a former student who said that shooting guns was his form of therapy. Wow. So I kind of had this. Um, 
experience of why well, I made a post and I said, how about we don't arm our teachers? How about we arm our students with the tools they need to deal with their emotions? Right. They don't teach this in school. Mm. You know, you're not, you're not taught how to deal with your emotions, how emotions come and go, mm. how to breathe through them, how to turn within, how to feel. So in making that post, I got a couple of responses. And um, from there, we created a nonprofit. It's called Worthy Beyond Purpose. Mm-hmm. And we teach mindfulness and meditation to children. Wow. And the first year was just doing all donation-based after-school programs, or not, not, not um, all volunteer-based yeah. uh, after-school programs, just going in and creating curriculum, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Uh, and after a year of that, we've developed a curriculum. Now we're an official 501c3. And wow. now we, we get to do this work. What a turnaround. So um, from there, wow. after COVID started, we were the first people to jump online, you know, well before schools. So our classes were packed with kids um, really talking about panic attacks mm-hmm. and worry and fear and masks mm-hmm. and not being able to see their friends. And we got to really experience this together with these kids. And it was absolutely incredible. And again, watching this transformation of in the beginning, panic attacks is what I was hearing so much from seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. Yeah, like They shouldn't even yeah. know what a panic attack is. No. And after working with us for about three weeks to have them coming to me and saying, how can I hold space for my family? How can I teach this to my mom? Mm. How can I teach this to my little brother? How can I show this to my family? Mm-hmm. And watching that transformation. Wow. And it was kind of in that moment that I realized I was in the restaurant business for 25 years. It's all I've known. It's all I've ever done. And after getting sober, I'm like, well, now what? Right? Like <laughs> yeah. now, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? There's no more yeah. passion for this. Mm. And then I realized I, I love meditation. I mean, it's just your calling. And it's crazy. I have four and a half years sober now. So to think about that's what's happened in four and a half years from sobriety, you know, like it's, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's really mind blowing that you can literally not only change your life around, create a life that you want to live. And, and, and through working the steps, you get to clean up all your mess and be left with a clean slate, and then you get your higher power on your side, and you can create whatever it is mm. you want to create. You can become whatever it is you want to become. Oh, my God. That's just absolutely amazing. Well, wait till you hear this one. <laughs> so first of all, to tell you, there is no doing it wrong. In any kind of meditation you do, just sitting down, and even if your mind is running, it's just the practice. Even just putting yourself down is doing it right. So, so you're not doing it wrong. So just mm. keep keep on that. Okay. Um, so, so, so an experience I had last year, um, I was on a meditation retreat in uh, Tanzania. How does that happen mm. for one? Wow. Right, like yeah. this is something that was presented, and everything in my head is like, "You can't go. You can't afford it. You don't know. You don't." Blah blah blah. You know, and <laughs> and I just said yes, and I went. <laughs> and so while we're in Tanzania, I get the opportunity to teach a school, a third grade school, some breathing techniques and some yoga techniques with a, an interpreter because they all speak Swahili. Mm. 
how the hell does that happen? That just happens from showing up. This mm. is God in my life. This wow. isn't, that was not my plan. Yeah. None of this was according to my plan. This is just God presenting things and me saying yes. Mm. So then we're in, um, we're on safari as you are in Africa. <laughs> we're on safari. We're in our Jeeps and we're cruising around and we stayed at a, um, we did glamping in the Serengeti. Standard. And um, <laughs> so we stayed in these camps that actually moved around with the wildebeest. As the wildebeest oh moved, the goodness, camps moved. Amazing. So we had a lot of wildebeest around us. Mm. So we're out in the Jeep one day, uh, the whole group. And this one woman says to me that there's San Pedro there, which what San Pedro is, is it's a plant medicine. Right. Um, it's a plant medicine that people use to get more connected to their spirituality. Mm-hmm. Some will say it's a drug. Some yep. will say it's a plant medicine, right? And she's like, it's not a drug. It's a plant medicine. We're in the Serengeti. We're mm-hmm. in Tanzania. <laughs> what could possibly go um, It'll help you get closer <laughs> to your higher power. Mm. You know, do you want to do it? Mm. And my first reaction is always, let me check in with my higher power. You know, let me let, let me get back to you tomorrow. Let me, let me talk to my higher power tonight. And mm. she's like, okay. So as we're on as, as we're on safari, we see a bunch of animals and zebras. My spirit animal, and I've been talking about zebras since we got there. And they're like, "Well, zebra and wildebeest are best friends." So because one can see better, one can hear better. So there's going to be a lot of zebra around. And I'm like, "Awesome!" So we go back to our camp, and we're all hanging out by the fire. And as you go to bed at night, you have to get walked to your tent by a guard that locks you in. Wow! Because there's wild animals yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. You can't be out on your by on your own. Yeah. And, um, yeah, <laughs> and I was out at the fire a little longer than, than my roommate was at the time. So, um, I got walked in by somebody who was in our squad who did, who didn't lock the door. They just kind of walked me in and I walked in and went to sleep and I'm laying in bed and I'm saying my prayers and I'm like, Hey God, it's me. I'm in the Serengeti. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, so San Pedro's here. It's a plant medicine. It's not yeah. a drug. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll help me get closer to you. I just, I just, because I want to get more spiritual, like I want to do it for you, God, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to take one for you, you know? And Brilliant. what do you think? What, 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 what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And, and then I was like, and if it's not too much to ask, I would love to meditate with some zebra. Mm-hmm. While you're here. And I go to sleep. <laughs> so a couple hours later, I hear some rumbling going on and I wake up and my roommate's rumbling around and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, shh, listen. And I listen and there's all this farting going on around the tent. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And she goes to unzip it and it's open and she looks at me and she's like, why are we not locked in here? And I was like, because I came in a little late and she peeks her head out. She comes back in and she's like shaking almost. Oh my God. And she's like, Connie, did you call them? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, did you call them? And I'm like, did I call what? And she's like, the zebra. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh my God, I did call them. And I peek my head out and we're surrounded by zebra. I've got the chills. I'm going to start oh crying. My so we're standing there kind of like terrified. And I was like, I, I have to go out there. And she's like, you can't. And I'm like, no, I, I have to. I called them. <laughs> I have to go mm. out there. And she's like, just don't get eaten. And I go out there with my camera and I'm trying to take a couple pictures, but I don't want to use flash because I don't want to scare anybody. And they're literally surrounding me. And I sit down and I just am sitting there and I close my eyes and I just start deeply breathing. And their energy and my energy and this feeling is like nothing else. And I just start bawling. And as I'm sitting there breathing, I hear a message as if there's a man standing right behind me. 
that says you will never have to put anything in your body mm. again mm. to get more connected to me. Mm. I am here with you in everything that you do. You are free today. I will give you anything you want. Stop asking for more. Mm. Right? Like you're in Serengeti on a meditation retreat. <laughs> Stop asking for more. I'll give you everything. You want zebras. Here's your zebras. Oh, my gosh. That's, and I was just wow. like mic drop, yep. like just bawling. I stayed out there with them for about 20 minutes. They stayed with me and then oh they walked off. And gosh. I was just like, wow, if that's not the ultimate. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's in, that's yeah. yeah. And again, that reminder of like more, 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 you know, and like, just you know, you have everything, yeah. you know, and, and and like and like here's your zebras, you know. Yeah. It was just so crazy and beautiful, and unlike anything, it was such a beautiful message of you know, I, nothing needs to come in, you know, because this this connection, this this higher power, this this beast of magic, you know, that came with sobriety. I stay sober for the magic, you know. <laughs> yeah. What a turnaround. And what I think that, like, I mean, we have to end it, don't we, there with the meditation and the zebras. Um, but wow, from nearly dying because of organ failure, because of your addictions and what, what an extraordinary turnaround and congratulations on the, on the business. And it's just been a real pleasure. Um, thank you so much for, mm -hmm. for coming on. It's just been, it's just been wonderful talking to you. Awesome. So check us out, Worthy Beyond Purpose. Thank you. So good. That's it. Thanks. Thank you. It was great. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.